Welcome back to the Champions Playbook, where we have an awesome guest on today. You guys will hear a little bit more about them here as the podcast starts. But first, we want to thank our title partner for this season of the Champions Playbook, Strixon. Scott and I trust our game with Strixon, and we love their products. So if you guys have any kind of questions about getting fit, I know we've had a lot of episodes in the past about the benefits of getting hit. Please come on out and DM Scott at Golf to see if getting a club fitting from Strixon would be the right thing for you and your game. So um, come on out and see us on Wednesday nights every other Wednesday at 7 p.m. inside the Persimmon Pub here at Franklin Bridge. So we love you guys. Thanks so much. Let's go ahead and get right into it. There's no rules! Shoot lower score! There's one rule! Welcome back, everybody, to Franklin Bridge where we have another episode of the Champions Playbook, and it's our first guest of Season 3. That's correct. First guest of Season 3. If you guys are listening on the audio, you guys don't yet know who we have in store here, but Scott, why don't you bring in our guests and what we're going to be talking about tonight. So um, I have with me two guests. Uh, They're students of mine um, and worked very hard in their golf games to very very disciplined people just generally speaking in their life anyway so golf is a nice place to let more of that out to be even more disciplined uh in a very difficult task so um they run an organization or a company i guess called agape tactical um i'll let them explain more of what they do uh i believe y'all are faith-based as well correct so um Really a fantastic organization, uh, self-defense, firearms training. So with that, we've got Ken Alexander as the owner, and with him is Don Bradley as well. So we've got them both on the podcast. Um, our first topic is actually going to be about uh, good is the enemy of great and kind of what all that means and how to tie that into golf life, whatever it may be. So uh, Don and Ken, if you'll tell us a little bit more about what you do, and we'll get this thing going. So I retired after 26 years as a, a Metro police officer and an instructor at the training academy. And I taught uh, uh, hand-to-hand combat and firearms at the, we call it confrontation management. And then uh, went to the FBI Violent Crimes Task Force and where I got to hunt bank robbers and child molesters. And then I got to finish my career as a uh, field training officer. And then when I retired in 2017, um, we, I had started a company where we were focusing on training faith-based organizations, Christian schools, uh, churches, their safety ministries, because they, they have the heart to protect their flock, but they didn't have, uh, sometimes some of the organizations didn't have the, the resources, right? Where do we get the knowledge on, on, on how to um, prepare for, for the worst? So yeah, so I joined Agape six years ago, and my background is in business management, and that's what I do for the company, and uh, Christian ministry, so I bring that, that, just that knowledge of churches and, and ministry to the company as well, and then also in personal training. And uh, that's one of the things I enjoy about the company is just being able to, to meld all three of those backgrounds that I have and uh, train people in, in these skills. And um, it's, it's, a, it's a great organization, and I love the people I work with. The, we have about 18 instructors that work with us, and they're all high-end operators. Um, 
you know, with, with uh, experience. They're not, they, you know, they, they don't just watch videos on YouTube. Uh, these guys have lived gunfights and whatnot. And uh, so it's a, great, it's a great organization to be a part of. Yeah, so uh, I even took a, I don't know what we call it, a basically how to shoot a gun lesson. From <laughs> basic pistol lesson, Basic yes. pistol lesson from Don. Um, it's really interesting just to learn some of the, the basic movements, which we'll get into fundamentals in the second one. But um, it's just really neat to see, like, the discipline that's required when you're handling a firearm is, like, we should in many ways treat golf the same way. Now, obviously, with a, with a firearm, you're dealing with something that's, very dangerous and when I'm life and death right so you know discipline is incredibly important not just for performing correctly but for safety purposes as well so exactly. discipline top to bottom um, and what all that looks like and what that means so they kind of wanted to bring up the topic because on your some of your shirts it says good is the enemy of great um, Ken or Don if you'll tell us kind of where that came from and what that means to you and I'm excited to see where this goes because I'm completely winging this part of it. Because <laughs> like I, I have like my angle from golf that I want to want to go. But so I, I needed. We actually trademarked. We own the phrase "good as the enemy of great" for that's, commerce. Um, that's awesome. That's and, so cool. And yeah. I, the, the the reason it's so important is because people train incorrectly, and, and, and I'm not I'm not throwing a. Uh, I'm not trying, to, not trying to discourage you from training, but the problem is if you don't train with stress inoculation in, in mind, you're not training correctly. Uh, in, other, in other words, is your heart rate up, right? Are you, doing, are you performing tasks when you're physically exhausted? Because in real life, uh, uh, when you're in a life into situation, you're not going to be relaxed. You're not going to be uh, able to focus. And, and, and so you have to train in that same manner. So what good, in the, good is the enemy of great simply means is if good is all you want to be, whether it be your personal life, your social life, your spiritual life, your financial life, your golf life, whatever it is, you're average. And average sucks. Everybody's average. You get out of bed, you're average. Who wants to be average? So if all you want to do is be average, you're, you're never going to strive for anything better. So we, we strive for greatness in, in every aspect of your life, whether it be the, your, your training life, your spiritual life, your, your, your financial, your physical. And um, um, so, because when, when, if, if you're great and stress hits, you're still going to be good. If you're good and stress hits, you're going to suck. And it could cost you your life. It's so interesting because I was hearing, I was, I was hearing how, um, how Tiger's dad would help him practice and how Tiger is so good with hecklers and with anybody who's trying to yell at him. And his dad would either, like, in his backswing when he was young, he'd, like, toss up some keys and let it hit the ground or, like, throw his golf bag on the ground, like, mm -hmm. while he was swinging. And it ended up uh, getting him to a point where that stuff didn't phase him anymore. Mm -hmm. Or he would make him, you know, get his heart rate up real high so that then, and then he would make him hit a shot in order to cope with how how stress hits you mm -hmm. and be able to, to execute under pressure. And in some ways, it's probably why he's the best player of all time, just because he's able to perform in every situation, no matter the circumstances, no matter the location, mm -hmm. no matter the stress that's on him. I just think it's interesting because I think Tiger really embodies what you guys teach to a T. Well, I think it's one of the reasons why he jumped into some of the Navy SEAL training. That too, um, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like... I kind of laugh at golf workouts, um, and when we've had Alex on the podcast, she's the person I send most people to for training. It's like golf workouts are, I mean, you can get your heart rate up, but, like, they're not actually 
dangerous and scary. Like there's something to lifting weight, like mm. deadlifting something, squatting your body weight or more if you can get to that level that is actually like I, I could hurt myself doing this. And so we train in a way in golf that's like, uh, it's too easy. You know, we hit 50,000 golf balls. I know Ken likes to hit golf balls too, <laughs> yeah. so this is good. But those are one of the things like is how can we add a different type of stress um, we'll put a $20 bill on a five foot putt. Right. You, you <laughs> see people stress over that all sure. the time. Um, and it's neat that you said that because there are different ways to stress you. There's physical stress, you know, getting your heart rate up, uh, and you know, and there's, there's the psychological stress. Um, there's, you know, throwing things at people. Yeah, there's just all different ways. And it's great to, to utilize all those different components um, to maximize the, the benefits you can get from that stress training. So one thing we specialize as a company in, is stress inoculated training, where we, uh, because of our backgrounds, and, and I have, I'm, in, I'm fortunate enough to have several guys who are on the teams and, and SWAT commanders and, and, and people that understand stress under fire. So when we train, um, we have the equipment that most people don't ac can't access or don't have, so we fire live blank rounds at you, or we use simunitions training where they're, they're firing soap rounds through a Glock pistol at 450 feet per second, which leave welts of biblical proportion. You know, and of course you have safety gear on, but getting hit really sucks, you know. So, um, and all of that stuff gets your heart rate up. One of our drills is, is um, in our HIT class, high intensity tactical training, is you got to run 100 yards. Then you've got to fight me in a red man suit for one minute. And then you go over to the table and you find your gun taken away, taken apart in four different pieces. And, and your, your hands are shaking and you've got to put that gun back together, load it and fire, go into a live fire shoot house and engage targets. And, and, and people who are who know how to service their guns and put them together, they're dropping pieces and they don't know how they go <laughs> because they've never, they're, they're just, their brain is in overload. So the more you get um, immersed in that type of training, the easier it becomes. Well, it's one of the things that we've talked about getting Jack to the next level of his performance, kind of tying back to some earlier podcasts of like learning how to separate out. Like there's a time to go out on the golf course and like learn how to hit from different lies and different shots and aim in different places and he did that as a part of his normal play for a while as he was developing to just kind of learn a lot. And he's only been playing the game for like two years. So there's just a lot that you have to learn. But we, we've gotten to the point now where he's consistently under 85, only broken 80 once. We're, we're in this place of like, Jack, now you need to go out and you've hit that bad shot from a lie that you haven't experienced before. Instead of dropping another one, you've got to, you have to handle the emotional decay if you will or difficulty of now going up and having to hit another shot and there's a game I came up with um, a few weeks ago with some of my college players and my college and tour players are going to do it this summer it's called crazy eights and I'm not going to give the details of it if you want to learn about it I'll tell you about it but it is the first drill I've seen done that comes closest to simulating tournament pressure and it's all wedges and putting and it's the first time I've even experienced it. So I went out and did it myself and went, golly, this is like, I'm shaking over a three foot putt. Well, even when I play and I'm playing well and playing with people or playing for a few dollars, like I don't feel that kind of stress. It's the closest thing I've come to simulating tournament stress. So Jack got to experience it a little bit today. Um, and then there's heavy consequences for failure, which is we don't do in our practice. Like, sure. oh yeah, if I fail, yeah, that kind of sucked, but, like, there's got to be a larger tangible consequence that hurts even more mm -hmm. that really 
attunes your focus, makes you more aware. You have to let all the distractions disappear. What's the consequences of failure when someone's breaking into your house and you can't get your gun loaded? <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, that, just because you yeah. bought a set of golf clubs doesn't make you a golfer. Just because you bought a pistol doesn't make you a gunslinger. Right? Just because you've taken a golf lesson doesn't mean... Just because I took a pistol lesson doesn't mean I'm good at shooting a pistol. Right. Like, you have to go and put the work in under stress mm -hmm. over and over and over where you get to this place of autonomy where you don't sure. have to think about it. The one thing we happens. haven't even discussed was what neuroepinephrine does to the body. You know, and I, and I don't... Um, I've never had an endorphin dump on a golf course because it's nothing has gotten me that it riled up. But, but neuroepinephrine, when your heart rate reaches a certain, for me, it's 180 beats a minute, um, and I get that endorphin dump, neuroepinephrine does two things to a person. It does one thing to the trained, and it slows time down, and it allows you to see it in a focus. But then for the untrained, you're frozen in fear. We call them victims. And, and everyone's going to experience one of those two things. And no man or woman will rise to the occasion under stress. You will always sink to the highest level of mastery in your training. That's so good. That's so good. Can we end the podcast there? I'm good. <laughs> uh, I was just going to say, yeah, in, in my uh, athletic career, too, I, I've, I played baseball. And so a lot of people, when they get up, to the plate and they see a 90 mile an hour pitch they're like that flew by me like mm -hmm. i don't even know what i just saw but when you train yourself to see mm -hmm. that so much time does end up slowing down mm -hmm. and you can understand how you're seeing how the rotation the of the laces aren't you exactly exactly and and in the same way in golf i played in the club championship this past year it was my first time doing it, it was my first like proper tournament i've ever played in and i went out and shot over 100 and um it took me that experience to experience exactly what you were talking about as far as like my brain's moving a million miles an hour and now now that i've seen it once and i've been an athlete before i can concentrate that and understand where mm -hmm. i need to be and slow time down and i can almost do it mm -hmm. at, at request at this point too but i think just being in the situation at least once mm -hmm. i think you might agree too if, if you just experience it once sure. you're going to be better off the next time oh absolutely once is and the next time you're going to react faster mm -hmm. when we teach our fighting classes we we like when don teaches the women's self-defense classes we get dressed in padded suits and we attack the women in three different ways right from behind um from the front and then on top we get on top of them mm -hmm. we make them fight their way to 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 victory and as long as they don't quit they'll they can succeed when you guys are fighting do you teach any kind of technical ability or is it just kind of like fight for your life no here? it's it's no, there's it, it's i'm sorry go ahead no, no. Yeah, we, we teach the women um palm strikes knee strikes elbow strikes mm. kicks uh choke releases very different things and then we give them that opportunity to actually do it against an actual person uh not against just a pad that somebody's holding i mean they do that during the training part but when they're fighting so that we put a helmet on first which is for safety but what the helmet does also is it makes it hard for them to hear and it makes them hard for them to see, both of which will happen to you under extreme stress. Mm. And, and then this man is on top of them and they're trying to beat him off. And it's so real. We've actually had women break down mm. um, because it was so real. But every time we do a class, more than one woman will say, that's the most empowering thing I've ever done. Totally, totally. And it's because of that, that realism. So, so yes, we, we always teach you the, 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 the fundamental skill and then we get, give you a chance to uh, practice that or perform that in a real-life situation. 
So it's really neat that you, you bring that up. I was actually having a discussion after our playing lesson this morning with, with uh, a group of men, and one of them was like, I said, look, we need to raise the bar with level of difficulty and stress. He's like, no, you don't, you don't understand. Like, I'm already under a lot of stress. I said, no, 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 no. You don't <laughs> not understand. Even close. Not even close. You're not even close to mimicking what happens on the golf course. Like, I'm trying, like, you're getting to the point now where you're skilled enough where we need to add this another level of stress. I said, I wouldn't ask you to if I didn't think you were ready for it. And so it's interesting to hear you take, like, it's not actually scary what I'm asking him to do. Now, it's psychologically, like, he's created something in his head that he's afraid of. But I'm telling him, like, no, you need to go into this really scary place. And there's, a, there's an art and gentleness to that. But also, like, this is, like, this is what could happen to you. You need to be equipped. And I, I just find that interesting because golf really isn't actually scary. It well, doesn't mean you can't. I agree with you, but people psych themselves. For example, a water hole. Um, right. What do they do? They usually go to their bag, mm -hmm. and they'll pull out a range ball that they stole from the range. <laughs> and they'll, they'll drop it. And what are, what are they inevitably going to do with that ball? They're going to dunk yeah. in the water. Right. So I was taught at an early age at golf to take, take a brand new ball out mm -hmm. and get past it. And don't even think. There's nothing there but grass. It's just, an, you know, um, uh, and, I, and I, I don't know if that's the way you teach. I might be doing it completely wrong. No, that's but, the but, way but, it should be but done. But I know that they mentally, if they pull out a, a used ball or an old ball, they've already set their mindset to failure. Totally. That's correct. And the problem is when someone, a bad guy or a situation comes that you see coming, and in your brain you say, oh, I'm fixing to get robbed. Well, you haven't thought about the eight ways that you can get out of it or what you're going to do to them or what you're capable of doing. You've already put yourself at a disadvantage. You've already defeated yourself as opposed to um, our goal is to change victim into victor. Mm, mm. Nice. And it's, it's what, your, what your brain focus on it expands, exactly. right? right? And that's why I feel like when, uh, when people have to react to something super quickly, they do it perfectly most of the time. I mean, I mean, obviously. If you're trained. If you're trained. Correct. But like, it, it becomes a flinch. It, it becomes a flinch, right? Mm -hmm. If you threw a ball at my face and I wasn't expecting it, I would, I would go up and catch it. Correct. Right? Because there's no other option mm -hmm. at the end of the day. But like golf is so intimidating because you put a, a used ball down and you've got all day to hit that ball, right? Like, yeah. That's why baseball, you're just reacting to the ball. But mm -hmm. like golf, you're like, you have all day to think about, do I hit a draw? Do I hit a fade? Do I hit a high? Do I hit it low? Mm -hmm. And you inevitably... Am I going to top it? Exactly. Right. <laughs> if, you, if you say you're going to top it, you're going to top it. It's why, it's why Brooks loves... Uh, we'd have to ask him, but I think it's one of the reasons why he loves the club championship so much is because it is you, purely you. We talked about this when you played in it. Like... You're totally exposed in that situation. And what did There's I do? No I fell back on my highest level of training at that point. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so it's funny to me to see all these people go like, I never shoot this bad. I never three-putt this much. I was like, hey, you don't finish out putts. I don't watch you put yourself in stressful putting situations. I don't watch you put yourself in stressful driving situations. You hit a bad one, you hit another one. And you don't really count it towards your score because, well, my handicap says I can't take more than a double. I was like, well, you made a nine. Put that in. Like, <laughs> like you have to be willing to to deal with that and go into that space. And it can be helpful to have people there that are training you through that. But some of it you kind of got to do on your own, at least for golf. It's like yeah. you need to go out and, as Tiger, I think, once said, like, you got to go dig it up out of the dirt. Like, well, you got to find your way a little bit. A word that sums this up, and it's, it's, we train this specifically a lot, is mindset. It's, it's all that mindset. And when, you, when you're standing over the ball, 
you know, what is your mindset? Is it, is, it a, is it a defeated mindset? Which for the first year and a half after I started playing, if I was anywhere within sight of a body of water, <laughs> I, I was gonna hit that ball in the water. Just, I just did for a year and a half. And I had a mindset of, oh no, I'm gonna hit another ball in the water. But the first time I hit the ball over the water, then it, then, and it gave me the mindset that I can actually do this. And, and it changed, and now I very rarely hit the ball in the water because I believe that I, can't, I don't have right. to. You froze and you froze and you froze and you froze and right. you froze, and you kept putting yourself there to overcome it. You can go to the elite level for professional players. So one of my players um, has been seven and eight under for the first time ever in his career in the last two weeks out here. And then he made a bogey. Like, but I'm totally... Oh, sorry about sorry, that. Sorry, Mike, Air. Um, he's putting himself in a stressful situation he's never been in before. Now he's got to learn how to get comfortable and deal with that. Like the mind all of a sudden starts racing all over the place. And he hasn't learned how to deal with that. Now that it used to race at birdies four and five or four and five under. Now it's seven and eight. What's next? Like nine and ten. And once you get to that level where you can get nine, ten. I don't know if this, this pertains. Well, we're going to have to fix that. You got to know. Scott, so I don't know if, how well this pertains to golf, but when we're, when we're teaching a SWAT class at a police department, uh, and, and one of my guys is a Marsoc Marine, and he was on uh, JSOC, and I've got another guy that was uh, on, on the teams, and they, they're always asking him, oh, teach us some tactics, teach us some tactics. And the, uh, the operators are just, they kind of they giggle at him and say, listen, all tactics are, are the basics and the fundamentals to movement. That's all it is, nothing changes. Nothing changes except now you're moving. And um, uh, uh, I guess maybe with the golf swing, it's still the fundamentals, right? Yeah, that, that's correct. So, like, with Elijah, um, using him as the example, I actually happened to catch him on his second nine. So I got to see it happen. So he birdied 10, birdied 11, standing on the tee on 12. I'm watching for his habits to retreat a little bit, and he knows they retreat. So, like, we've got plans prepped already and is, like, all right, his grip tends to get a little weak under that stress. Like, it wants to creep to what's comfortable. And he asked me after the round, he's like, was that grip a little weak? I felt it kind of getting a little weak. I said, yeah, it was weak on the tee on 12. Now, he still hit it good on 12. Birdied 13. Now, he birdied 13 with a grip that wasn't quite where it needed to be and a little bit of an old foot movement in his wrist that actually got it hit to four feet. Makes that for birdie. Then leaves it, hangs it out a little right on the next hole because that grip got a little weak. But he's on the green, makes that for birdie. And then he snap hooks one on 15. So, like, the, he had been retreating. Those fundamentals had been kind of creeping back towards something he used to do. And so, but he knows it. And so what you'll see some tour players do is sometimes their practice swings are so insanely exaggerated. And then they go to swing and you're like, well, it didn't look anything like that. And so they know their threshold is it wants to come back to that old habit and so they have a way to stay in their fundamentals through and through and for Elijah he's like I just got to stay in my routine if I stay in my routine with this basic checkpoint I'm going to be fine and he kind of gets out of that and so we're getting better at that it's like can that fundamental hold for 18 holes playing as well as you did right now it can hold about 11 now if he didn't make that many birdies it would hold for all 18 that's the the stress level I told him, I said, the only thing that stress does, the only thing that pressure does, at least for golf, is it reveals your most dominant habit, which is your highest level of training, right? Like, 
how solidified is it? Eh, the paint's pretty dry, but it's got this, there's a few little spots on there that are still a little wet. And you catch them under enough stress, they'll show up every time. Oh my gosh, my kid, my son or daughter, they choke when they play. I was like, they didn't choke. They just gotta keep training. Like, and if you keep telling them they choke, all they're gonna do is react like they choked. And if they say they choked, that's your teaching moment. It's like, no, you didn't. Keep training. Fundamentals, fundamentals, fundamentals. Mm. Which is our next topic. It is. The last thing I wanted to touch on is, and granted, this might be a little bit different in a, in a tactical setting because there's no other option, but sometimes I find myself on the golf course not wanting to be great because of fear, fear of failure. And I'm curious if you guys can speak to that as far as somebody who, uh, in the most exaggerated sense, They'll want to learn something and they won't give it their all because they're just, they're like, oh, it's, it's okay. Like, I'm not that great at it. Like, I'm, I'm, they're afraid of failure. They're not willing to do what it takes to fail, get back up, try it again, and persevere. So, um, excuse me. So, the, so I, I, I have a whole program under Agape called Warrior Woman. And, and, and I direct that training program. And I've actually had a lot of women come through my program who um, have, have been victimized. Um, and, and so they bring with them, you know, emotional, mental scars. Um, and when, when you get, become victimized, you can get caught in this victim mindset. And you, you, it, it, you have to actually, psychologists say, you have to successfully do something successfully to break out of that victim mindset. And, and so when they come to me, a lot of times they, they don't feel like they can be uh, a victor um, because they've had this identity of victim for so long. And so uh, that's one of the values of this realistic training that we do where they actually do fight somebody. And our instructors don't go easy on them. They make them deliver a knockout blow or kick before they do the role play and, and roll over and act knocked out. And, and then we tell them to get up and run. And so when they complete that task of knocking out the, the, uh, the person, the, the attacker, and getting up and run, it gives them that, that uh, ammunition they need to break out of the victim mindset. And so, so yes, we see that a little slightly different with people who um, it just for what either fear of failure or uh, unable to identify as a victor or uh, don't want to learn because their grandpappy taught them this on the farm you know 60 years ago whatever they're stuck in that mindset and and so it for me personally I that's one of my things that I love out of getting out of my job whether I'm training on the firearms uh, range or in a gym is allowing people to break past their preconceived boundaries that they've placed on themselves and, and allow for growth. To answer, uh, further answer that, we have th throughout the United States in, in, in active shooter situations, we have, I, I have multiple stories where there were people inside those events that were carrying firearms, but because they'd never trained in a tactical sense. Listen, your carry permit class is a qualification class, it is not a training class. There's no training done, okay? It, you're learning, you're qualifying, you are not prepared for anything. That, that's just the bottom line. 
and and um, uh, you know one instance happened in Nashville and and um, uh, shooter came in and, and killed and injured eight people instantaneously and at the end when when um, the arresting officer of the shooter uh, uh, was interviewing one of the victims who was hiding under a table he had a firearm on and he admitted to him he said man I I had my my carry permit for two years but I've never taken a meaningful draw stroke in my life so failing to train could be fatal in in this instance failing to train in golf just means a couple strokes or you got to buy a round at the end of the the game right but um, you know we're we're talking about a whole, and especially when you have the responsibility of keeping others safe in a church, right? When you have a security team and you're in a security ministry, you're not, you're not just there for yourself. You're there for the 3,000 or 300 or 30 people that are in there worshiping. You're responsible for them. What does failure to be prepared now mean? You know, your kids, your wife, they're inside there. What are you willing to do to succeed? Well, you know, to, for golf, especially when you look at kids in high school and college, guys and girls, like what happens when everybody else on your team is struggling, you can see it because now they all have to do live scoring so they can see where everybody is at all times. Like you're not, most of them aren't trained and ready for that. Coaches, have, coaches just stood them on the range and hit balls. It's like put them out there where they have to make a putt in front of everybody and let them be embarrassed. I know that's like... I don't want to embarrass my kid. Like, he's gonna, he or she is going to get embarrassed. Mm -hmm. That's not even dangerous. Right. Well, somebody, so what? Somebody's going to make fun of you on social media or tease you at school? Like, I get that that's real pain, but, like, you need to be ready for that mm -hmm. and be able to handle that. Um, and what I'm doing with my – I have some plans for this summer. So if you're a college coach listening to this, I'd highly suggest you suggest this to your other players. But, like – we're going to put them in stressful situations this summer, and I think one of the things we need to do is to bring them to see you all this summer, uh, the girls to, to Dawn. Absolutely. Um, but, like, we talk about putting them in actual dangerous situations. So rock climbing is one of the things we're doing this summer. Mm -hmm. Falling from a height, even though you're on a rope, mm -hmm. is far more scary than standing over here, you know, I've got to hit the green and two-putt for par to shoot my personal best or break the course record or win the golf tournament. Sure. But starting to add stress in other places of your life where you can, because it all ties in together. If you can start to add stress other places and learn how to manage it, mm -hmm. you can learn to definitely manage it in an area that you're an expert in. You just learn how to carry the, over those traits. It's interesting, too, in, in team sports, not necessarily golf, um, like some of my favorite coaches of all time are the ones who – kind of beat you down a little bit in front of your in front of your your teammates just because you want to be better you're put on the spot and you don't want to fail in front of your team and I feel like that's a downfall of golf is it's such an individual sport and it's not you don't have there's no contact so there's not like let's just say there's not as much like I don't know there is a drill adrenaline flowing for sure but not necessarily like if you're going to play football you know um, and I just think it's so interesting because we said it this on when we were playing crazy eights today like make make practice hard again and i feel like practice and this is just my i've never played golf in an organized fashion at, at a school i feel like it's not the the practices can be far more difficult They're so easy. They're, it's so easy you just go out there and do a rain session do some putting do some short work and then you're done it's like i remember i remember i mean wanting to quit 
and some of my team sport experience because the coaches push you that sure. hard, whether it's in stamina training yep. or in actual skills training. I played football and baseball in Miami, Florida, and water breaks were not a given. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know? Water, water was a, uh, it was a privilege. Yeah, that's not right. A, that's right. Not a, a right. That's right. Well, and I, I think in an effort to, like, decrease pain, uh, it's, it starts with parents, coaches sometimes, whatever, but it starts with us as parents. Um, but it's like you, you need to be there for your child and emotionally be there for your child, but you also have to train them to be able to handle ridicule, shame, bullying, failure, just generally speaking. Um, and we keep trying to soften it, and we lower and lower and lower and lower standards. Now we're back to the good thing. And then you put them under stress, like, why does my kid choke all the time? Because you've just made everything, everything easy. Right. And kids actually do well. Like, the, the cool part when you're training kids is a, at a young age and you study it, like, what's one of the first things that a little kid says? Look, I did it myself. Mm-hmm. There's pride in, they don't get excited about, look, I did it myself if it was easy. It's they've tried it, tried it. Like, simple thing right now, Nora Grace, for the first time this week, can finally buckle her own, her own car seat. And she's so excited. She's like, no, let me do it. And she's struggling, struggling. I'll, like, I can kind of see when she needs help. Start, she's no, let me do it. So that's a signal of I'm in a stressful Problem situation. Solving. Right. I have to, I'm stressed. Like, we're trying to leave. We can't leave until you're done. Like, she can feel the weight from Daniel's over there going, ah, I beat you. Like, yeah, you're almost six. She's three and a half, <laughs> right? Like, of course you're going to beat her. But like those types of stresses, it's a small, tiny microcosm of as life goes on, those stresses get bigger and bigger and bigger. And if you aren't equipped to do it at this young age, there's no chance until you, somebody takes you there for you to be able to do it at an older age. I just wanted to ask y'all as we wrap up this first part of the podcast, what is something that you guys tell your students as far as that good and great statement? What is something like an, an, a common phrase that you guys just hammer home during all of your training? Is there, is there anything that stands out? For me, it's, it's, um, I put it into perspective when we're training, for example, at church. I tell them, what you're learning here for the organization is not on Sunday when you turn the light switch on and you become tactical Ted. And then when the church is over with, you turn the light switch off and you're Johnny Sack of Donuts mm. again. Right? It changes your life and your perspective forever. Mm. It makes you a better safer husband, better, safer father, safer person in the community or mother. Um, it just makes you more aware. So everything they learn, it, it does not stop on the range. You don't put it in your trunk and you're done with it. It transcends in every walk of life. For me and my ladies, um, I'll, I'll, I'll often say that I, I personally, and this is true, I personally don't believe that women are by nature warriors. I believe that we can train to be warriors, and I certainly have, and a lot of women do. But I believe we are by nature nurturers. And so I appeal to my women and I say, you may not see yourself as a warrior, but one thing that every single woman has is the mama bear instinct. Mm. And, I, and I tell them, tap into that mama bear instinct because you don't want anybody to hurt your cubs. And if somebody is coming for your cubs, you have to be prepared to do whatever it takes to protect that cub. And I had, <laughs> I had a grandmother punch me in the nose accidentally one day <laughs> because she had been so, so you know, soft and, and, and everything. And it came to the final drill and I looked her in the eyes and I said, 
hey, mama bear, I'm coming for your cubs. What are you going to do? And she punched me in the nose. <laughs> I love that. I love that. They're not ready for that. I love that. Well, we're going to wrap this one up. Just to just kind of end it with a pretty little bow, I would say to all the golfers out there that are listening, the moment that you really dedicate yourself to the sport the same way you guys are really dedicating yourselves to tactical training and being ready, I think it's a, it's a completely different sport, and it's infinitely more fun. Infinitely more fun. Well, we're going to wrap it up here from inside the Persimmon Pub here at Franklin Bridge. Of course, we want to thank our title sponsor, Strixon. As you guys heard in the opener uh, before we played the intro music, Strixon is our title partner here for this season three of the Champions Playbook. And as you guys can see on the video, we have the limited edition Masters bags for this year. So thank, thank you, you for Strixon. those parting gifts, by the way. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> But thank you, Strixon, for sponsoring us and, uh, and supporting what we do here. Uh, we love Strixon, and their products fuel our game. So we love playing with them and plugging them and supporting them. So uh, from all of us here, thank you, Agape Tactical, for being here. We got two more to run, run back uh, from Scott and Jack and Agape here inside the Persimmon Pub at Franklin Bridge. We'll see you on the next one. Peace.